Well, hey, folks. I'm Andrew. And I'm Ryan. And this is First Impressions of Woody Allen. I'll put the music in this time, okay? okay. Cool. <laughs> so, Ryan, yes. today we're talking about, we're jumping ahead a little bit in mm-hmm. Allen's, uh, in his filmography, and yes. we're talking about the 1995 Academy Award winning <laughs> Mighty Aphrodite. Mighty Aphrodite. Yeah. Which was, uh, overall, I I was, uh, I was pleased with it. Me too. Actually. I was pleasantly surprised because... Me too. Because as we're discovering um, with each passing week is that Woody Allen isn't just uh, Annie Hall. He, no, he is not. <laughs> he has a few... He's so much more. He's so much more. He has a few others. Yes. And uh, he has these hidden gems that just pop up that are I feel like are slept on but um, mm-hmm. to fill our listeners in Mighty Aphrodite is um, I guess you could call it a romantic drama it's a comedy as well um, yeah. about um, a man Lenny uh, Len, let's just call him Lenny forgot his last name Lenny and who's played by Woody Allen and his wife Wine Rib. Sorry, it just hit me like a brick wall. Oh, no. Lenny Weinrib. As it should, because it's it's probably (laughs) said, like, you know, a hundred times in the movie. But he has a different last name at one point. He does. Okay. He goes under a pseudonym, right? Don't don't go off on a tangent. I'm I'm, 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 I'm filling our listeners in. Finish the (laughs) synopsis. So it's Lenny and his wife, and they want to adopt a child. And um, a spur of the moment, they do. And uh, and when the kid's about five years old, Woody Allen's character, Lenny, is is curious about um, the the mother, the father, where this kid comes from. And so he tracks down the mother, um, who is actually um, a very attractive Mm -hmm. hooker. And he eventually... Porn star porn star i guess she ain't no star no no star uh, yeah she she is in porn as well yes so um it's it's but peppered between all that is some um interplay with with um a greek or roman i guess no it's greek a greek yeah yeah, a a greek chorus Mm -hmm. that um that eventually alan uh interacts with so you'll yeah it's kind of told in the framework of like a traditional greek play or tragedy right yeah yeah so that that's how we open the film Mm -hmm. is where we're we're in these ruins and you see all these masked actors and they're retelling this tale or 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 leading into the tale and then we're actually seeing it on screen and um what do you think of that uh that whole second unit story i thought it's kind of what i mean Woody Allen's movies are always unique. I mean, this story is unique also, but he always has also such a good way of framing his stories just to add that little extra uniqueness to it. Mm-hmm. I feel like without the Greek chorus, the story still could have been interesting, still unique, but the that Greek chorus element, especially looking like a traditional Greek chorus that's not even you know um, modernized or made contemporary, it's just straight up out of traditional Greek theater, mm-hmm. makes it that much more interesting. Yeah, and and I agree with you. I think I think if there was just the story, just the the main New York story, mm-hmm. um, it it still was interesting enough to to sit on its own. Sure. But um, I what I liked about it was that you you we started off seeing this traditional Greek chorus like we've we've um, 
we've seen before, but then we see it um, sort of sort of develop into like a postmodern dialogue yeah. where you'll you'll have the the chorus kind of acting um, in in the voice of, of of a parent whose kid goes off to college. Exactly, yeah. You know, who would want to live in in Boise, Idaho? Was one of the lines <laughs> I think from the chorus. That's right. Um, and or, I was actually or Connecticut or, or Connecticut. Like yeah, who'd want to go there? And so that's like when I think it. You, that was a good line because it. I think up until then it was pretty traditional in its writing mm-hmm. and I was having trouble following it. And I was like, what are we talking about? Right. And then it, it kind of starts talking about how your son goes off to live somewhere else and you're like starting to pick it up on it. And then they slam the joke in there with uh, like, and he goes and lives somewhere horrible, like Boise, Idaho or Connecticut. I'm like, <laughs> right. All right. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. My, I was, I was really entertained by the chorus. Um, Me too. Uh, throughout the whole I film. It was very good. Um, it's not a main principal character, but um, it's it's I don't know I would say maybe thirty people yeah. at, as a unit um, all speaking and moving at the same time mm-hmm. and um, I felt like the the chorus in a way wasn't it, it, there was a line that uh, later on in the film um, Alan's character is like stealing uh, he's he's breaking into um, a genetics lab I guess you could say trying to track down um oh, yeah. the his his son's mother's whereabouts and someone from the chorus shows up in the scene mm-hmm. and he makes the joke that he's like he's like what do you do you just this is your problem like you just sit there and 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 judge and and i i act i i stepped out from the crowd you know yeah. so i thought that was kind of funny because he tells him that's why you'll always be a chorus member <laughs> right yeah that's yeah. why you'll you'll always be a chorus member because I, in a way, I could see a lot of parallels to to, to present day, where yeah. there's just people that you know, um, that kind of don't break from the crowd, I sure. guess, or just get comfortable living the way they do, mm-hmm. and their days are pretty monotonous. And um, I thought it was it was funny to see visually as like like thirty different people all kind of embodying that character. Yeah, and I actually. Um, Actually, like it reminded me of of Finding Nemo, believe it or not, when we had the whole school oh, of yes. fish yeah, yeah, yeah. and how there's sort of the chorus of at least in those scenes that they're sure. in because they're all speaking and moving as mm-hmm. one, and none of them are really um, are swimming away from the the school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I had to keep track of what a uh, plurality of a fish <laughs> is called. Um, Nailed it. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, that's my specialty, just knowing uh, different animals and, and what they're called in, right? in packs and in what pods. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were about to quiz me right there. What is, I don't know, what is squirrels? Um, what are squirrels? It's a, it's a murder of squirrels. No, I think that's crows. <laughs> well, there's multiple murders. That, oh, see, that's that right? a common misconception. Really? There's, there's, there's squirrels, and then there's uh, the crows get all the credit. Well, I'm no expert. So. <laughs> but you are an expert in Woody Allen. And, um, hardly. Yeah, hardly, right? But, um, yeah, well, I guess we'll talk a little bit about the acting. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, believe it or not, Woody Allen again. But <laughs> I feel like he... He was the lead, but it, it felt as though he was taking more yeah, of a like. I agree. He was the most bearable, and I mean, maybe Zelig was better because he's barely in Zelig. But mm-hmm. of his movies that he really stars in, I thought right. he was the most bearable for me in this one. Yeah, and he, I didn't mind him at all. I didn't. He actually. I he didn't seemed think, pretty. Oh, that's Woody Allen. Yeah, he seemed pretty grounded, 
and he actually seemed like um, at one point, uh, I think it was either um, F. Murray Abraham's character, the mm-hmm. the it wasn't the main chorus member, but he was the guy. He was basically the narrator of the yes, film. Yes, yeah. Um, he was saying, "Oh, he's playing God now." When he was yes. trying to to match um, his um, the mother of his child with um, like an, another suitor sure. of someone he was like working with, a boxer that. Um, he was in close circles with. And so um, there's that line, he's playing God, and he, he sort of was the the glue trying to bring people together, yeah. um, unlike what we've seen in Annie Hall where he's essentially, um, you know, bringing people down in a way yeah. or, or, like, inhibiting them. Or not like, moving. He's the one getting other people to move or change. Right, yeah, exactly. So um, – I, I felt like he was he was like you said he was he was bearable and mm-hmm. he wasn't to me even though uh, the lovely Mia, uh, Mira Sorvino who plays uh, his child's mother the the prostitute mm-hmm. um, I felt like she was more of like the lead character yeah um, even though she you know she, we weren't we weren't following her every step of the way we didn't we no, weren't she didn't even come in till probably the second act yeah well. I wouldn't say the second act, but I, I would I would say that it's like it's pretty. There's there's at least a good solid fifteen minutes where we don't even know about That's her. That's true. Yeah. And um and but once she like came into the picture, I felt like she um was like the whole focus and yeah. everything was kind of like working around her. I kind I cared about her. Yeah. And what happened to yeah, her? Yeah, I really did care about her, and um, I I'd say I. I stopped like oogling over her around the second act. Yeah, <laughs> because for those who don't know, Mira, Mira Sorvino in the mid '90s is, and she was already she was already tall to begin with. Um, she's very tall. And she's very tall, and Alan had her in these like. And Woody Allen's short. And Woody Allen's <laughs> short, so it made for this. Uh, it was like a physical humor to the their pairing, like this yeah. odd couple. He's but, shorter than every person that he's with. I mean, practically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when Diane um, Keaton's yeah, taller Diane Keaton's than you. way taller. Than um, but yeah, like he he had her wear these. I think I don't know, like four inch heels or something ridiculous, yeah. like the, like like that. These pumps that she would just um, you know saunter around in, and and she. Uh, I mean, she. I mean, it was obvious. Like when, when we first meet her, we were like you know, visiting her, her apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, he's called her from, uh, he's found her and he calls her as a client. He's, he's calling her as, um, you know, as a John. Yeah. And so, uh, he goes over to her apartment and we see all these like basically sex humor, sex objects littered around pretty much every room in her house. Yeah. And, um, it, in just the way he he like shot like her character was like shot basically in that first scene it's it's kind of hard to to look away you know that sure. that like male gaze Absolutely. i guess you could say definitely and so but i would say around the second act like that after seeing it it's kind of like after you see that you know so often and you just kind of get used to her presence mm-hmm. um her outfits weren't as skimpy obviously but like you, you started um, caring about her more, I sure. guess. But I feel like that was very intentional in how you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to, to objectify her at like first, up yeah. top, and then just kind of grow to love her as, yeah. it, as it went on. Maybe much in the same way that Woody Allen's character did. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if from, I mean, he was always trying to just talk to her, I guess. That's what was a little confusing for me was like, what inspired him to do what really is the whole point of the movie and what really inspired him to keep going? I mean, I guess he learned, he started to care about her as a person, but just out the get go, what did I just miss a plot point? What made him go seek, want to find her? No, I I don't think you missed a plot point. I I was a little curious about that myself. A little unmotivated. Well, it's just I think he was just he was insecure about his his uh his genetics. That's right. Yeah. Or it was just how his, he maybe his relationship right with his, his role. Yeah. So the woman he's married to uh, is played by um. Uh, Carter. Yeah, you always see like these actors pop up in his, in his movies yeah. that you're, you're like, like, "Whoa, that's a young Michael Caine." Yeah. Or, that's a young Helena Bonham Carter. And, yeah, and she had a pretty, pretty good uh, American accent. You know, I, I was impressed. I was convinced. I think I leaned over. I was like, "Is she doing an American accent?" <laughs> <laughs> she think, was, and she was. Um, but she, she was wearing the pants in the family. At one point, his <laughs> his uh, his child asked, oh, yeah. uh, "Who's the boss? Like you or mommy?" And um, again, Alan just kind of you know subverting the the diss is uh, is like well you know she's a decision maker but I'm the boss yeah I'm the boss (laughs) but she just makes all the decisions she makes all the decisions yeah I get to I get to hold the remote yeah he gets to change the the TV remote and uh, so I think there was that I think there was that whole marital kind of insecurity that Mm -hmm. what made him uh, go out of his way to see I think um, that's right to to. To try to find I think out, I kind of wanted to see what life he could have had. Is that right? Is that what he said? I can't remember. I'm not sure to tell you the truth, yeah. but but like it, I I feel like it it you do, you can kind of just like fill in the gap on sure. your own and just like his like motivation because it, sure. it didn't seem like that was like a huge part of the story mm-hmm. and more just like finding her yeah and and discovering like happening upon how she's this gorgeous um hooker slash um uh playmate i guess Mm -hmm. um and and uh yeah i think i think it was like very another way another another way like how we mentioned before how alan has these like his framing of his movies like he he has to constantly kind of um you know, upping the ante, I guess. Yeah. You know, as 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 deep as he was in the mid '90s, um, you know, uh, nevertheless, like, um, what he is now, like, still making movies or TV shows, but, um, in the mid '90s, I don't know. At that point, he'd probably made like close to fifteen, maybe closer to twenty films yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I mean, when did his first movie come out late 60s mid 60s yeah i think his first one was 69 so and he would almost make them years later yeah almost nearly 30 years later and he'd made them pretty frequently so yeah. i would say that was maybe his like 14th 15th film and so you have to constantly up that ante and i i found myself like watching the movie like what a what an interesting scenario like what a yeah, what a what creative scenario like putting having this relationship grow from a man who's adopted your kid who never um was even aware that that was his his, exactly, his whole yeah. motive of going over there that that night um of meeting her of of um you know answering her call essentially yeah and so um yeah like i thought what a what a creative way to do that and um 
I think like I could I could see as he was uh, at you know as I felt like the credit was due and he he did get nominated for an Oscar for this for the screenplay. Yeah. And I felt like it was you know just having having the Greek element there was cool because you would start to see that they would it would sort of um collapse onto itself. You would mm-hmm. see the, the the chorus members and some other actors in his uh uh in the New York story and then you would see Alan mm-hmm. and um um Helena Bonham's character um, sort of like spilling over into the into the ruins in, yeah. in Italy, so yeah. um, or in Athens, um, and I thought that was really creative too, um, because you could have just left it at that, but sure. now you have all these characters kind of just crossing uh, in between realities and time and space. Yeah, and so, I suppose that starts to play into what really this whole class discussion is about: is his um, ref- reflexive nature mm-hmm. right I guess, is that a good example of it would I you think say? so reflexivity yeah is that what you're referring to exactly yeah <laughs> of his films you know let's see how let's the... see how good we're paying attention to <laughs> <laughs> get us that a yeah um i think he's those are those moments in his films where it kind of calls attention to the fact that you're watching a film a little bit right you know because that's when a normal narrative breaks the norm i guess you mm-hmm. know um and I think that's, again, that's what really what makes his films unique. And they all have that element to them. Right. Um, and I like that a lot. I'm starting to like that more. Yeah, like he, I mean, we could talk about the writing all day. What did, what sure. did you think of um, visually this time? Because uh, we kind of touched on, like, uh, Gordon Willis, yeah. who's a longtime cinematographer. Yeah. And um, I don't know if this was his first film that he, 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 he worked with De Palma. Uh-huh. I don't believe it was, but... Um, Carla De Palma, the cinematographer, um, what were your impressions about the visuals? Of this well, I was misinformed. Well, I don't know if I was misinformed. I misunderstood. I thought this film was nominated for Best Cinematography. Mm-hmm. So from the get-go, I was like paying attention to that. Um, and I, so f- with that thought in mind, I was disappointed. Okay. Because I was like, this does not look like Best yeah. Cinematography material for right. the 90s. Like, come on. You felt it was robbed. Or you were robbed. Yeah, but now knowing that that's not true, that's not true, everyone. It was not nominated for Best Cinematography. <laughs> Don't look it up. It really, it really was. It actually won the award. Oh, it, it won shit. it twice in a row. Um, no, uh, thinking back, um, there's nothing special, I guess, about, I guess, nothing eye-catching. The cinematography doesn't call attention to itself. I was very impressed. I think we talked about this a bit. A lot of long takes, a lot of interesting camera moves, like for the scenes, you know, you know, scenes where there was four people talking instead of just holding a wide the whole time, it kind of panned between these two conversations a mm-hmm, lot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting choices instead of getting, you know, traditional coverage over, over or whatever the case right. might be. Uh, and there's kind of a lot of moments like that where it would follow a character as one was talking off screen, you know, follow that character down the hall and then, you know, you turn around and come back or whatever the case might be. Um, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to choice because I remember there was a moment where um, uh, Linda's character, Linda, was she was kind of opening up and it was kind of like, I think she was when she was talking about her son. It was like the first time she mentioned that she had a son uh-huh. and it was holding on her. Um, and there was a moment where she dropped like, and I don't know what family he ended up with. She said something like that. And in my head, I was like, cut to Woody. Like, oh, show I a do. reaction of Woody. That like, that's, a, that's like a bomb drop right there. I'd love to see what Woody's thinking. But it, it never cut to him. You kind of hear him off screen, him like, off screen. ask more questions. Yeah. And that's, I think, clearly a deliberate choice. 
I don't know if it would have been my choice, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless. Yeah, yeah I thought it was cool. a, an unconventional choice. Yeah. Um, definitely cool because, you, like you said, you don't really see that. Mm-mm. You you would normally see traditional coverage, whether it's sure. like a dinner scene or in Makes that Makes you moment. wonder if they shot it just like that or they did get coverage and just in editing did they choose not to. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I who mean, knows? at the end of the day, that's, that's Alan's decision mm-hmm. um, as a director, at least, you know, if – the studio plays ball with him Um, but uh maybe he didn't even do that shot so like that could have been a no it's like well you cut to him it's like yeah we didn't get it we don't have it (laughs) (laughs) so maybe that was an intentional choice or maybe that was just an artistic one but uh yeah i was really impressed because the the long takes you you don't notice them at first like you're just watching the scene you're there with them and you don't notice them immediately. And then as time goes on and the scene plays out, I, I sort of have to pinch myself mm-hmm. and remember that this was all shot continuously. Yeah. And so every time the camera moves, like the actors have to hit the mark. Um, every time you like make a different distance with the camera, whether you're pushing in or sure. out, you have to adjust Full for focus. focus. Um, and it, it just it just ups the ante completely. Like just yeah. the stakes are raised as... Um, you know, we find ourselves like like at, at the more the more you see it, the more you you admire how many you know how many times it could have gone wrong. Yeah, and and it probably did. And like yeah. the slightest bit of of error would have to set everyone back to one. Yep. And you think about it. I mean, uh, retrospectively looking back at his films, it's kind of been an element always there. Mm-hmm. Like Annie Hall is shot. I don't know if it's. I feel like this movie in particular it kind of emphasizes it a bit more, those long takes, but you definitely see it in Annie Hall. I think I remember us talking about it. Your traditional over or your, you know, over the shoulder shots, I think it only happens three times in Annie Hall, I remember her saying. Mm-hmm, There's like mm-hmm. three distinctive scenes where it's like traditional coverage, but then the rest are shot almost entirely in wide or in these medium. long takes yeah. that, you know, goes from wide to medium or whatever the case might be. Um, it's just kind of interesting that that's his style as a whole. Yeah, I admired the the camera moves, the mm-hmm. takes, and then what I think really went well with this film visually wasn't so much just the cinematography alone, but like it's it's sort of marriage with the production design. Yeah, because I thought the um, Santo Laquasto um, designed this film, and mm-hmm. he was the same. He worked with with Alan on, on Zelig as well. Oh yeah, I don't know if he was nominated, but he did a hell of a job. Huh. And so uh, I. I found myself like in the scenes in the in particular the 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 scene where Lenny is going up to uh um to Linda Linda's yeah Linda Linda's the the prostitute yes, right? yeah, pretty, okay that. okay great um I didn't forget that no uh <laughs> So, but when he's when he's uh meeting his uh her pimp in the in the bar oh yes I felt that was like really um just gorgeous to look at like yeah. the, the set design and like how they how One they close up in that scene right i think it was I, yeah there was a close up on um his friend who was watching hiding the tv a cut with it probably i that's mean that's what it seemed like to me because i think it was the only moment where it cut away where it cut yeah like the rest of it was shot i think at one single yeah continuously continuous. yeah and but i i just thought it was like it just looked really pretty. I agree. I was and admiring it too. All the bottles in the back. Yeah. Bottles in the background. I thought it was well uh, dressed. Like the set yes. was well dressed. Yeah. Um. Uh. That uh, same goes for when um when Helena Bonham's character decides to leave mm-hmm. Lenny. Um. She's sitting at a table and there's like just 
some nice like greens in the background, the mm-hmm. light screen and like some bottles. Where she's and, in the kitchen, right? Yeah, the moment in the kitchen, and I just thought that that I this. I was admiring that too. That's funny. Is that I right? Yeah. Thinking that. Yeah, I'm like, because the lights matched the the decoration, uh-huh. and so I felt like that was like like of course it was intentional, but sure. it's just those little subtle things that that get overlooked that just like kind of like gives, gives it that extra punch. Yeah. yeah, and so I felt like. The cinematography, while I wasn't like crazy about it, although that scene when they're in the restaurant and you have like the red mood light, that was mm-hmm. oh my god. Okay, I'm just I, I won't I won't geek out about lighting too much <laughs> on this time around. That was a cool scene though. But it was the yeah, it, was it, it looked really nice and um, really pretty, and but I think it was just that it was that marriage between what Laquasto was doing and what uh, De Palma. Mm-hmm. I got to give it up to the Italians, I guess, um, in this in this movie. Yeah. Um, but they did a helpful job, yeah. And uh, I think visually, it was it was um, one of my favorites. Um, it was very natural, but mm-hmm. at the same time, um, you know, did its purpose, I guess. Sure. Yeah, did its job. Um, awesome. I think in closing, I feel like we can kind of wrap it up there. Sure. Um, Try when, to see if I have any. Yeah. Do you have any other notes? As he looks at his notes, I wrote Woody Allen got old. <laughs> <laughs> That was that's my first note. He got real old, didn't he? It's 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 funny because I th- I, I had the same impression. Yeah, and he uh, like looked considerably older. I mean, I guess it's thirty years after you know. Well, it's twenty we years after Annie Hall. Yeah, it's twenty years after. It's nearly like, twenty the, years. Kind of the films that we were watching. So so you but we're jumping around in this class like we did seventies and then um, we jumped to the eighties and mm-hmm. then back to the sixties when he just looks like a baby. Yeah, and. Um, and then now we're in mid nineties. Yeah. You know, eventually we're. I don't know if we're. But watch. it makes you wonder if like, Woody, you couldn't have given that to that role to someone a little younger, right? Because like, I think I feel like he's playing not the same character, but the same sort of I guess age range as yes. his character in yeah. Annie Hall. Um, there wasn't any reference to like. I just watched Mother this past weekend. Yeah. And there were constant references to how to how older how much older Javier Bardem's character was to oh, yeah. uh, Jennifer Lawrence. It was like, oh, is this your daughter? That yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. It was like, rem- they're reminding her in almost every scene. Yeah. And so, but there was nothing like that in in uh, like in Mighty Aphrodite. They, um, Woody Allen and Helena Bottom Carter's character seemed like a young couple because they were just talking about kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she looks young. Like, yeah. Right? Late 20s, early 30s. I, yeah, maybe? I would say so. Well, Woody is not. I'm looking no. at him like this is a guy in his 50s. Like even in that scene when kids. he was kind of fantasizing about the good old days, yeah. And there was that that flashback to when he had his hair cut, which was you know an obvious choice sure. to kind of like show he was younger. He still looked like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just kind of always he just, old. He's just like a better like his just haircut was yeah. just you know he's just, shorter. He's just born with that bald spot. Yeah, and and I had the same impression too because I was like. What year is this movie shot? Because yeah, like, he's. That's what I, was I, I feel like because we're noticing another pattern is that he's always making out with these gorgeous women. Yep. And that's from his first work to I'm sure his last. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know when it, there will be when it's enough. You know, like it's, it's enough. It, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've gotten it's to that enough. point. Yeah, but it's at the same time it's like. 
why wouldn't he do that every time? You know, you're this director. Ability, yeah. yeah, you're this director. You're writing this story. And then Lenny makes out with this gorgeous yeah. hooker, you know? Well, I guess we have to. It's in the script. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just doing what the <laughs> what the screenwriters tell me to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and he got old, and he's and he's dating these, these women that are – he's basically dating Diane Keaton's age – in the seventies, but with yeah. Helena Bonham in the nineties. So yep. it's like, it's like, like you said, the age range, he's, he's probably always trying it's to play a little off putting a little bit. Yeah. Like you get used to it though. I that was just my initial it, thought. It, I was like, where's this couple at in their relationship? Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, obviously talking kids, but right. And it's, it's, uh, you, you wonder how much longer you can get away with that. Yeah. And, and that's what and I was like, thinking too. It's we like, haven't seen his later work into uh-huh. the two thousands or when did he stop um, acting. Uh, I mean, I know he's, I think he's in Midnight in Paris, which came out oh, not really? even just this past five years, I think. I think. Yeah, this past five years or so. So maybe he does it then. I don't know. Maybe he's making out with some, some teenager then. Um, <laughs> we can, <laughs> only Woody Allen probably. We can, yeah, right? We can only hope so, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. Uh, Mighty Aphrodite, I'm going to give it a watch again. I'm going to give it an absolute watch again. Absolutely. And a recommend. Watch. Okay, I'm gonna give it a, a a definitely absolutely watch again. You trying to one up me? Yes. <laughs> Thank That's you fair. so much for listening to First Impressions of Woody Allen. Uh, if you want to hear Thanks more, everyone. yeah. If you want to hear more, go to our uh, SoundCloud and iTunes page. Uh, it's a little confusing. We don't have a page for the show exactly. It's just under my name, which Perfect. is Andrew Dorward Podcast. D O R W A R D. And on iTunes, there's a picture of my granddad's face, um, which is a little confusing, but I'm still working on that. Not Woody Allen. It's not Woody Allen. At first glance, you could be fooled. <laughs> um, or it just looks like me uh, about 55 years in the future or so. <laughs> and so 60 years in the future. And so, uh, yeah, please, if you, uh, uh, you want to hear more, go there. Uh, we have a Facebook page, First Impressions of Woody Allen. And I recently made, you're going to love this, Ryan, I made a Tumblr. No way. Yeah. Tumblr's I'm, I'm, still around? I'm 21 years old, <laughs> and I made my first Tumblr. Hell and, yeah. And dude. it's not for me. My first post I'll, was... I'll tumble you back or Will whatever. you tumble me? Okay. What is <laughs> tumble right into me. I'll tumble on you. <laughs> okay. We're, we're starting to make a, a one of... Um, one of Mir- Mira Sorvino's movies right now. <laughs> the first draft of one. Um, anyhow, yeah, I made a Tumblr, and... Uh, and cool. It has all my. It has my uh, my, 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 my 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 writings oh. of uh, of Woody <laughs> oh, Allen's <wow>. films, <laughs> and so my reviews. So if you didn't get enough of me talking and stumbling, uh, go go there. And uh, thanks so much for cool. listening. We'll be back again with with more Woody Allen. Yay.